are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today, once again, it's Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, I'm not going to lie to you. Better than last time. Uh, Last show, if you listened, by the way, um, thank you, because our last show did uh, really, honestly, quite well. one of the best tracking shows we've ever done in the history of the show. Uh, if you've been listening for a very long time, you may remember the, the uh, Flyers trade for William Nylander episode. I think that might be the last one, uh, the last one that did quite as well. But we just that was before to, that was before me for that sure. That was way before you. That was original run of the show. Right. I was going to say that that's was before pre episode thirty whatever. That was with our original partner website. Okay, there you go. That's yeah. how long we're talking if you're an OG here. Okay. Uh, but uh, either way, we just wanted to extend a quick thank you. And if you're back, uh, welcome back. We're here every two weeks during the summer. During the season, we're here every week. And uh, we're talking mostly Flyers, to be honest. But today, we don't have a ton of Flyers news. We'll get into a lot of NHL stuff. So We will. Uh, you ready to I, get into it? So Yeah, I, I, I'm a little surprised you didn't jump into the other change on the show, which is that I'm not in my usual location. Oh, that is fair. You are in the new location, uh, the new studio, if you will. Uh, We'll have the the gear up before long, I'm sure. Oh, that before long. I don't know. I mean, let's let's just say it's a good thing we have two weeks between shows, and even then, I don't think I'll be completely ready. But and if you're watching on our YouTube channel, you know, maybe you'll find funny. a sh- and maybe you'll find a shirt that doesn't blend in with the background. <laughs> Eventually, this won't be a problem. Eventually, I'll have more stuff behind me that adds some color. Fair enough, but but right now right. it is it is quite literally a plain wall. It is pretty bare. I'm not going to lie to you. It's pretty bare. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even I don't even have a curtain up on the window in this room yet, it, let alone. It's know. prison cell gray. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, and when <laughs> when you see what I'm thinking, you'll understand why it's the color that it is. Let's just put it that way. Fair anyway, enough. You know what? I right. If I would have worn a shirt with the with the logo that I'm thinking of on it, then you would have said, OK, yeah, I get it. now. OK, I, I have some ideas. Yeah, we're getting there. Don't you worry. We will. All right. It will be updated as the weeks go on. But per, pretty much permanently from here, I will be in this spot. Awesome. So uh, we do have a little bit of Flyers news to get into, like I mentioned. And surprise, surprise, it's not good news. <laughs> uh, turns out we're not going to have a lot of that this offseason, I don't think. Bobby Brink is going to miss a significant amount of time. Uh, top five name in hockey, by the way, because Bobby Orr is his name. His name is Bobby Orr Brink, in case yeah. you weren't aware. And that's just pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but either way, he's going to be out uh, roughly five months, I believe, is what I saw. It's approximately, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it looks like he won't join the Phantoms until you know late December at the earliest. Yeah. Hopefully we're getting, you know, I'm sure he'll get plenty of time there. Yeah, to make sure he's a hundred percent before they even consider consider looking at him for the main roster. Um, but here we are again, just another another off season injury, and what what can you say? I, there's not much left to because it just feels like every time there's a promising young prospect, this is what happens. It's never and it's never just a oh, you know it was a two week setback and it might. You know, this might be a problem in training camp, and maybe it'll hold him up for a month or two. Like, oh, stay in the minors for a month or two, and then you come up. Like, no, it's never that. No, like, everything is a catastrophe. Right. Like, it just doesn't seem like it's ever this case. Like, this is the way it is. Now, this was, I, I wish I could remember exactly how long ago it was that there was something out there about this. I believe it was, 
it was the lead into development camp. So maybe it was a little bit post draft and they just okay. now like three weeks later got a around to like, ago. well, yeah. and three weeks later to an extent where you're like, okay, listen, it wasn't like they just announced, Oh, he's had the injury and like, no, this, the surgery's done. It's already happened. Like it was all, it was one of those deals. Right. So, you know, it's, it's just unfortunate because this is one of the guys like, I remember at the end of last season that Noah Cates is one of the guys I think is going to be in play for the roster for sure. I wasn't, convinced on brink but at the same time you know that was it was kind of one of those things where it's like i don't want to just put him on the roster next season right but let's see what camp looks like let's see if he comes in and if he plays tortorella's game and he's that kind of guy then there's always a chance i kind of thought that he needed the minor league time but i also i don't remember if i said this or not but i kind of feel like he could have been a joel farabee type where it's like okay listen give him a couple like give him a couple weeks give him a month let's see if he can get rolling at the ahl and once he does, that might be all that's needed, and he comes up, and he's up for good, right? right. Like, it was going to be that close, potentially. And, you know, now, obviously, you're talking he's out through December, pushing January, if, if, if as long as everything goes according to the timeline. And then he's supposed to play, well, at the very least, I guess that would take him up. I mean, he'd probably play in the minors until the trade deadline, at least. Oh, minimum. And that's absolute bare minimum, and it, like obviously right. it depends on where the team's at at this point. And then probably comes back at that time to do the exact same thing as last year, which is six week to eight week trial. Like, hey, do you fit in the NHL at this point? Are you there yet? And like that's pretty much all it turns out to be. Is this the same surgery uh, Claude Giroux and Shane Gostaspear had? Um, that's a good question. I'm not entirely sure. Because I know like, with Bobby Brink, it's the torn labrum. Is that what it was for them? Do you remember? No, I remember for Giroux in particular, I remember a lot of core muscle type stuff. I know that's okay. kind of all connected, but like for him, I, I like they kept class. I know they classified Giroux's more as sports hernia type surgery, okay. not necessarily a hip. So, okay. I was just curious because I know I do remember that that for both him and Gossespierre, it took them almost a full 12 months after the surgery to really regain that pre-surgery form. Which is why I don't think you see a rush here. Like, I, you certainly shouldn't. Now, I, we've talked a lot about how the management team is currently handling things. And if the kid scores 10 goals in his first eight AHL games, <laughs> do they hot shot him and pull him up? Well, Who yeah, knows? That's why I'm saying you need to be like Farabee at the minor league level before he gets that. Call. But in my opinion, you should spend the rest of the season there unless he is literally 1,000%. And the only way I don't see that happening is if, again, if they do what, like, if they have the season that we all think they're going to have and the trade deadline rolls around and every one year contract is gone, then you have, you probably have no choice. He's got to come up. I mean, if, if you're like, if he's healthy and he's playing well enough and all that. That's fair. I mean, mean, let's put it this way, too. And there's a couple of there's names I'm going to mention that I think have not signed yet that are were extended qualifying offers. And there's guys who have. But you've got a whole host of guys who are on the younger side that you're going to try to do. I mean, so far, you know, probably the biggest RFA that re-signed and actually got like, you know, it's a completely secure deal was Owen Tippett who got the two-year deal right. at $1.5 million per, which, by the way, I think is a very fair deal for him when you think about when you think about what he is now. He, he's too established at the NHL to not give him that kind of money to an extent. I mean, maybe a little maybe a little less than $1.5 but it was going to be over a million. It had to be over a million. Probably $1.25 bare minimum. So if we're talking $1.5, it's $1.5. 
if he turns out to be anything close to what the ceiling is for him, which there's people who think he can be a really good goal scorer, this is a steal. And if not, it's probably fair value for what he gave you last year and what it seems like he could give in, in general. Like if he's that, if he's just going to be that bottom six player who doesn't take the step, then he's a $1.5 million player. If he's a 20 goal scorer or 25 goal scorer, he's way more than a $1.5 million player and you got to steal. Right. To me, it kind of, it kind of reminds me of a baby version of that bridge deal that Travis Sanheim got. Coming off his ELC, he got that two-year, three-and-a-quarter. Right. And it, like, it feels a lot like a smaller version of that deal where it's – A little bit, yeah. All right, you're getting some money. You know, you're, you're an established player. You're going to be on the roster day one if you're healthy. But you're not there yet, kid. Right. Like, you know, you still have a little bit of road to hoe here. Yeah, exactly. I mean – and then beyond him, like Morgan Frost got a very prove it deal. I mean, yep. like everything about it, it was a one year deal, $1 million, like prove it. Everything about that classic prove, prove it. it deal. And then you've got a bunch of guys so far, you know, the most obvious answers to this point, you know, Tanner Lazinski re signed. And it's, you know, it, it's a two year deal. One year it's one way, one or one year it's two way, I should say. Then the next year it's one way. And that's really like, that doesn't doesn't really do anything for sometimes that doesn't mean for waiver purposes it just it's money it's well your guaranteed salary is this whether you're up or down versus no if you go down on a two-way deal it's a big difference (laughs) it's a really big difference but nonetheless like that's that's a guy who when trade deadline rolls around that's a guy you're thinking is he the guy who's ready is it you know in, in brink's case assuming he's back from the injury which he should be by then is it him is it Wade Allison? Is it like you're looking at a bunch of guys who you sit there and you go, who's going to be the guys who are going to get called up if they're not up already? And don't you let, let me tell you two other names that I would not be surprised if they're closer by February. Okay. Oh, you know, don't be surprised if you're hearing a lot of Tyson Forrester and Zade Wisdom. Don't be surprised. They're going to get closer this year and they might be on the radar by then. I agree. I think Forrester probably has the better chance at the, the roster at the kind of right away shot. Forrester's actually got a chance that if he were to impress enough, he could make the team out of camp. I could see that. Like, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but he's got it. Like, as a former first round pick, as a guy who is known for more than anything, known for scoring, but I think he missed too much time last year to make it. Like, I think he still, you know, he needs more time in the minors, but. But, but you know, if he yeah. has a really good preseason and you're right. going into a day one roster that doesn't, you know, Bobby Brink's not competing for a spot. Uh, Joel Farabee's not there. Like, right. there's some holes to fill. And I'm not saying he stays up forever. And when the lineup gets healthier, maybe he's the guy that kind of gets pushed down and back down to the AHL. You know what you're but looking for? But I could for? see him getting that shot in the early season. Yeah. Do you know what you're looking for if that's the case? Okay. You're looking for Mikhail Vorobiev that, like, that one year, like, man, he's just blowing the doors off <sighs> the preseason and training camp. He looks great. He looks like he's going to be on the team and still did for the first couple games of the season. Yeah. He didn't look bad. And then it ultimately fades out and he doesn't play it, you know, at the NHL. Once level, guys right? figure out how to play against him, it's kind of over. No, no, granted, Vorobiev was like, you know, total unknown there, you know. Yeah, he had a note. that was this wild. Is first, is that had potential to be a really pick, crazy so. story, to be honest. Right. Well, this is a first round pick. So you kind of expect it from a first round pick. But that's like, fair. I'm, I'm kind of what I'm getting at is that that's the kind of preseason he's going to need right. to have to to make it now. And if, and if he does great, if he does, because I, I, I like and I say if he does great because of the fact that maybe more than anything, and I'm like, there's not going to be a lot of examples of this as the preseason goes on. I just don't see it. But if there's somebody who just 
takes over, a young prospect type who you start to feel like there's some promise to. God, show me Wade Allison. I would love. Yeah, everybody would love it. I like. I just. I. I've been screaming it about him for years. Wade Allison and Bobby Brink are going to be one in the same by the end of the season, potentially, in the sense that they'll have all the potential in the world to be successful, and it's just a matter of stay healthy. Wade Allison, I can't wait to watch him turn into well, a guess, twenty a twenty forty sixty guy because he's got it what? written all over him. Oh, and guess what? Tanner Lazinski too. While we're at it, because if yep. Tanner Lazinski stays healthy, he is a perfect fit for a bottom six role. Perfect. I mean, he's he's exactly that kind of Swiss Army knife player. Exactly, exactly the kind of player you draft between thirteen and eighteen. Well, and, and well, no. Generally he, speaking. Well, no, and this is why it's a good thing. And no, fair enough. Is you you did find him as a diamond in the rough, but. right? And but that's exactly the type of player he does a lot of things. That like, was a Ron Hextall pick, correct? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Um, and and like let's go this way because. Who el- who else fits that description that we were really impressed with last season? Noah Cates does. Like Noah Cates love is what not, Noah is Cates brought to that team last year. Pick. He's yeah. a mid round draft pick that all of a sudden you look around and you go, wow, look what college did him. Look what being a part of a leadership group for a college program did for him. Right. Well, right. and quite frankly, he came up at a time where the rest of the team was um, fairly pathetic, and you know, he still had to put the work in. Exactly, he and he. But the the good thing for him, and maybe we're, uh, I mean, to put it crassly, maybe we're polishing a turd here. (laughs) But maybe he looked good because he was the only one who looked like he wanted to be there. I hear you, but at the same time, like and I was, mo- I was impressed enough. And to be honest, listen, and this is me trying to turn over a new leaf, by the way, because I am. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know I am Mr. Blind Homer Optimism. Well, every prospect that, well, every week, prospect is a future 50-goal scorer. Well, and, and the and, funny part to me, and I'm, the reason I'm laughing, is because last week's show, or, or two weeks ago, was like, this is, it's, it was all the opposite, and we were both doing that. So you're, always trying, like, you're trying a little bit to be optimistic about him. I would, but to be honest, I would be like that's a guy who's going to play right. third line minutes and should should be good in the role. Like, and to be honest, look at what he did when playing. Like, he played with a lot of people late in the season last year. So if you have him playing again with, you know, with Morgan Frost or playing with Owen Tippett, you know, that was working. There was something about that that was working. It doesn't, you know, and it's just a matter of like. Uh, like I, I don't like. There's questions about whether he makes the team or not out of camp. I don't think it should be, but well, like, look, he does have to come in and prove that last year wasn't a fluke, right? You know, it was still a small sample size. But I like. I think he's like. I look at him and I go, "That's a John Tortorella type player because he is very two way first. Like, he had a cut. Like he he had some production, but it's not the staple of his game. You know what I. <sighs> I'm not going to lie to you. We are about 15 minutes into the show, and I had entirely forgotten that John Tortorella was the coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. That's how absurd that hiring is. Feels no after everything else. It's been such an insane offseason, and we haven't yeah. even started talking about Matthew Kachuk yet. It's been <laughs> such an insane offseason. I literally, like, and as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course he is. Like, of course he is, and I know he is. <laughs> but for some reason that fact had just slipped my mind and I forget everything I said this entire podcast. I, <laughs> like everything is entirely different because your head coach is John friggin' Tortorella for some reason. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like when you think about like 
there is going to be something to be said. And I like, I, like I said, I don't. This have team's making the friggin' playoffs, aren't they? No, I don't think they're making the playoffs. And I, <sighs> I think I detailed that well enough last week or last show when we had the entire Metropolitan Division and all of the things that they were doing up there. It was really funny because I saw a tweet the other day that was somebody complaining about the Islanders doing nothing. And it was like... They haven't done nothing. Lou just hasn't announced it yet. (laughs) Maybe maybe so, maybe so. But either way, I'm like, they're still a better team than the Flyers are. Relax. There's there's people who legit think that the Islanders are making the playoffs next year. And I think it's... I'm not saying you're saying that that's a wrong way to think. I I wouldn't be surprised, but there's a lot of teams that are going to be gunning for the last couple spots here. Like... There's, I think we we agreed, didn't we? Like we kind of agreed. There's pretty much two certainties in the Metro, and the rest is, man, what's going to happen between those head-to-head games? Flyers squeak into the playoffs on the last day of the season, beat oh a team they shouldn't beat, beat a team they shouldn't beat in the first round, <laughs> second round, beat a team they shouldn't beat in the second round, third round, Leafs in five. <laughs> um, that's happening. You're welcome. Cause, uh, that because because that's that, an interesting <laughs> now correct me if i'm wrong but the the conference finals is where your draft pick slides to the end of the round correct i mean you're pretty close yeah you're in the last four okay yeah. right so your your draft pick slides to the end of the round at that point so <laughs> it's about right flyers pick 28th and yeah the lather part- rinse repeat the reason I'm laughing so much is because of the fact that if that happens, then everything we said in the last episode is a completely moot point. No, they're still going to be terrible. No, 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 no. I'm saying everything we said, though, is a moot point. The episode was literally titled Fire Everyone, and nobody will be getting fired if that's the case. I know, but they still should. They're, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the conference finals. They should still fire everyone. That's how bad they're still going to be. I don't know how they're going to do it. I'm not Carter, a- Hart is, Carter Hart is going to look like 2002 J.S. Jaguar had a baby with 2004 Cam Ward and also 2013 Corey Crawford. Wow. All right. Um, it's gonna happen. He's gonna have a nine seven four save percentage on the season somehow. He's gonna be he's gonna be Henrik Lundqvist on the John Tortorella coach team, right? It, like, yes. Hey, the goaltender yes. just does it all. He's gonna be Igor Shesterkin last year when the Rangers yes. couldn't do anything else other than score in transition on occasion. Ryan Ellis gets healthy for the last twenty games of the season. The team wins eighteen of the twenty to squeak into the last playoff spot. <laughs> wins eighteen of twenty. Oh my goodness, that would be hysterical. I mean, that would really be hysterical if that happened. Bet it. Um, Responsibly. Okay, hang on a minute. Can I can I bet that when there's 20 games to go, when it seems like such a long shot, yes. that I win all the money? Maximize your odds. Absolutely do that. Win, bet on them to make the playoffs. With 20 games to go by winning 18. Yep. Bet on them to win the playoffs or make the playoffs. Is that going to be like that's got to be a, like a plus twenty five thousand, right? Like it's going to be a good one, right? It's got to be something ridiculous like that. That if they make the playoffs at that stage, I'm just saying if it happens, you. you heard it here first. <laughs> okay. And if um, it didn't, you're not going to remember this anyway, so it's fine. I feel like that's <laughs> a good transition to our next banner here because yeah. like that is the whole season's rooted on the word luck i mean it's it, right. it really is if like, ryan ellis is healthy if sean couturier gets healthy if joel Faraby gets healthy if carter hart plays well if this if right. that if kevin hayes is still 100 percent, if tony d'angelo is not a giant piece of garbage if 
John Tortorella doesn't immediately turn the room just completely dumpster fire toxic. Like, there's so many ifs that you're trying to avoid. But if you avoid them, yeah, there's a real chance that the Flyers are just freaking good. I mean, sure. Look, I, I don't want to just – on paper, it's not. it doesn't look like it should work. No. There's nothing about it that looks like it should work. And and I don't think it will. Like it, I, I I've been saying all off season, you don't win on hope. Hope is not a plan, and that's what they're trying to do. So, right. I I get where they're coming from. I I don't think that Sean Couturier is going to have a bad year. Like I think that he's going to if as long you know, again it's an if if he stays healthy. But at least he's coming back with a, not a track record, but with signs that he was already on the verge of being right. back. I'm so it not feels more optimistic than the others. I mean, even Kevin Hayes feels more optimistic than the others. Yeah, I just don't he know came what, back and looked great towards. I the just end don't of know what version of him you're getting, and if anything else happens again, like, but like again, it's an if statement. The yeah. other stuff is all too big of a question mark for me to even think about. You know what I mean? Like, you just like the Ellis thing is obviously a gigantic mystery. Who knows with that one? But you know, there's there's a way that Farabee could be back. Like around Thanksgiving, there is a way for that to be possible, but is he going to be that effective player? Like I don't, I know. don't know. Exactly. Like, and we won't know until we see him. And not only that, but like, Couturier and Hayes have an advantage coming back from injury that they're going to start when they start. You know, right. like if something does go wrong, it's probably not going to be. You know, it's it's probably not going to be before training camp begins at the very least. Right. It's going to be a day, you know, maybe it's day one of training camp. Maybe it's the first week of the season. Maybe it's never. But they don't, like, if they get to day one of the regular season with no problems, they didn't miss anything in a new, you know, first training camp with a new coach. They didn't so miss anything. If if he ends up missing the start of the season, uh, yeah. does Joel Farabee play more games with the Phantoms this time than he did on his original send-down? Uh-oh. Um, no, does he, because does if, he play more if, games if they, on the rehab start? No, not at all. I mean, he, he, you know what he gets? He's lucky if he gets two out of three on a weekend. That's and fair. Then they come back. That's probably fair. But I mean, it also depends on where the team is at the time. If they're four and 26, eh, let him play. You know what? You know, one of something interesting, though, too. You don't really see a whole lot of rehab conditioning things in the minors anymore. Most That's of what fair. you do is you have guys who just get pushed harder and harder at, at practice until it's you're practicing full bore. Now you're ready to get into the game. Like they're that's probably fair. like, that's, that's why I think you think Thanksgiving at the bare minimum, because of the fact that they once he does back. come in, like you're, well, yeah, you got to make it all back up and he's going to well, learn Tortorella style. He's got to learn all of that behind the eight ball. Cause he's not going to be there on the first day of training camp. I mean, one. here's the, well, and here's the thing, maybe he will to an extent, like, not that if he's, he's around, around. If he's operating at sixty percent. Well, around and able to skate. Like right. how many? Like how long after? Like Jack Eichel had the same surgery. How right. long after was he skating slash practicing? But it was, but like it was three weeks, wasn't it? Right. So who's to say that he couldn't really get on the ice at training camp? If he's just in the quick, well, hey, it's before the sessions rehab skate. At least he's out there, and then he's in the meeting, and maybe he's, he's in the meetings, the he's in the scrums, he's in the locker room, he's right. in the so like, he's in the culture, right? So maybe he's not as far behind the eight ball from that aspect of it. If he's there from day one okay. and doing everything, I I believe that I think I and you know I, the BC boys will keep him caught up. Well, and I believe like I believe that they, he's had a well no no they won't because God BC what a, you 
he's oh that's him. fair you're right I it's not about the that. same thing no, you're I think right. they're all on the same page though it's i, I get your point yeah i think they're all um, homies but man whatever but by the way whatever place that crew picks as their after dinner spot look out right. look out hide your kids hide your wives <laughs> it, it's gonna be Maybe chaos guys come in sheesh um, imagine they roll in and you're talking <laughs> some listen i say this with some amount of respect for some of you some sleaze bags let's be real and i think kevin hayes would tell you with a smile on his face that he's a sleaze bag <laughs> right i mean it's fair i get you but like I'm just like I'm just curious. Like if he is able to be fully invested in everything, then maybe he's not as far behind as I think he is. I agree. And Joel Farabee with a full camp, or you know, with maybe not a full camp, but with an abbreviated camp, kind of an aggressive start to his rehab. Like I, I would hope that maybe as you're approaching the first week of December, that you've got something here where you're like, okay, he's really close at this point. You've given him the normal time frame that you gave him, and then maybe a little more. I, and he, and, I, I hope I'm wrong. Like I hope I'm not. Like I'm right about that. And but. he and he's the kind of player that if the team is playing well and you get to slot him into an already successful lineup, mm-hmm. he could he could recover very quickly. Sure, he I could mean, catch. It, he could get brought up to speed in in a, in a fairly quick fashion. The key for him is going to be as it is with a lot of players who have a serious surgery or anything of that nature. Is how you know how quickly you adjust to the potential of contact. Like right. If if you're still shying away from it just a little bit because it's practice and you don't want to get hurt, like as respectful as that, like respectable as that is, that you don't want to hurt yourself further. That's the step you've got to take before yep. they put you in the lineup. And, and he and he's a guy who has shown that he is does not shy away from contact when he is playing at a hundred percent. Right, exactly. He, so he plays a physical on the puck style. Right, he's well because he plays very aggressively. He's right. very up on his skates. He's very involved in everything. So. I hope that that like I hope that it's sooner rather than later. But there's also a part of me that goes, "Don't be surprised if this is All Star break kind of stuff." Like it could be that too. Like, right? I think him him getting to 100 percent is significantly more important than when he enters the lineup. Right? right? We're talking about a 22 year old asset here. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's signed yeah. for a long term deal. Well, and like, that's the key. They, they need to do this where it's around the long term of the contract. Yes. Right. And speaking of long term deals and injury concerns, the guy behind him in the thumbnail there, Ryan Ellis, <laughs> theoretically exists. I literally don't know how you found this photograph of Ryan Ellis in a Philadelphia Flyers it, jersey that's li- not it's photoshopped. Quite it's quite literally from the first game of the season, I think, or second game of the season. No, he didn't play the first game of the season. Yeah, he did. Did he? Yeah. Oh, uh, did he? Okay. Fair he played the first three and then. Or, oh, and then missed or, for a while and then came back for one and then was immediately back right, out. Right, he right, right. Scored against Seattle. Right. And I think that's the game this is from, by the way. Was the game? This was a game against Seattle. So he scored against Seattle. Also, they, if they were if all you, doing it then too, by the way. If you've watched your way through Letter Kenny or Shorzy, he does look like uh, JJ Frankie JJ here a little bit. Well, Ryan Ellis. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, are we are we all the flyers at this point? It's just what it is. Like, like, Listen, we're in a summer show here. <laughs> well, not only that, but like, this is what it is, and it's going to be the way it is until, you know, let, let's be real. We got a whole month of this before training camp starts yep. up, a month and a half, actually, until training camp starts up and you actually start getting some answers to some questions. You know what I mean? Like, I like 
certainly, and I, I guess the other big piece of the information here is John Tortorella kind of had some comments about how people were perceiving a perceiving the Tony D'Angelo move, the the way that people were perceiving what Chuck Fletcher did, all that stuff like that. And I get the method behind it. The method is rally cry to your new team. You're trying to tell your like, it, look, if you're trying to send a message to the players, like nobody believes in you at all. Yes, I understand what you're trying to do, but like, I, I don't know. Like, like I get it. We also have the right to sit here and talk about the moves that were made or lack thereof and sure. criticize them exactly the way that we have. Like everybody has. Like, it, it just is what it is. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm watching every team in the league do something pretty much. Yeah, and we'll and, get into that uh, very soon. Here. You know, well, and not only that, but like. It, it, again, it was just the method behind, like, I'm sorry, your general manager had said a week earlier from the time that, like, Tortorella put out there and whatever. Like, it was a phone interview with NBC Sports Philadelphia. You know, from the time, you know, it had been a week between what Chuck Fletcher did on free agency day and then coming out and saying, you know, it's a lot of hard work to move contracts. Did and stuff. is a strong term. Well, well I, yeah, I know. That, <laughs> All he like, did was come out at th- 2 o'clock and say, yeah, hey, we're done. Okay, maybe more. What I mean is that what it, from what he said then, like That's which, is, fair. which is saying it's hard work to it can be extremely hard work to move contracts. <laughs> and then your co- your coach is out here trying like trying to, I I get it, trying to fire up his players a little bit. Like, hey, I'm back, and yeah, I think you're good players. We're gonna get the most out of you, and we're gonna show prove people wrong. Hey, by the and, way, Columbus got a second and a third for Oliver Bjorkstrand. Okay, we're on it then. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Like, well, here's the funny t- part, by the way. There's two people in this picture that are uh, now members of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yep. Because the other, I, I did that strategically. The other player in the picture, other than the two that are very recognizable, is Erica Branson, who is a new member of the Columbus Blue that Jackets. That is very funny. All right. Um, so we're talking about the fact that it's hard to do things, it's hard to move contracts. The Oliver Bjorkstrand contract isn't a great contract. I mean, Seattle needs scoring, and Seattle needs to get to the floor. Sure. So here's the thing. You know what would be nice for that? JVR. And, like, I'm not saying you get a second and a third for him because I know the contract no, is I know. more. Like, I get it. But, like, there's got to be something there. Like, hello? Chuck, thing, like, no, can thing. we call somebody, please? Thing. Okay, so the thing is is that JVR makes $2 million more than Bjorkstrand does. Sure. That's the first part. Bjorkstrand's a better player. Like, Fair. Way better player than JVR. At this a more stage. complete player for sure. Sure. And I think you can look at what he did with Columbus last season and say, this is a guy who can help that team. Like, like I actually look at Seattle and I don't think they're terrible right now. Like, you still have Philip Grubauer in goal. I think your decor is decent. And, They've added some scoring. Well, yeah, because now in addition to Bjorkstrand in this trade, you added Burakovsky in free agency. You've yeah. Got, you've got, you know, and you throw Burakovsky's a great ad for them, by the way. And you throw him with Jordan Eberle and Yanni Gord. And, like, now all of a sudden it's like, all right, now you've got a little bit of a forward core. I kind of didn't understand their forward core a year ago. I'm starting – well, pieces not weren't and, all and, in and, place. Well, and, here, and here's the thing. That's four names, right? Okay, four names is not – a chunk, a big chunk of your forward core. I didn't mention the two names. I think everybody's really the most intrigued to see. Okay. Ma- Matty Beneers and Shane Wright. Right. Of course. Like now that's ha- the thing. And, and there's the thing. Now I'm halfway through your, your forward core and you're going to complement it with back end pieces beyond that. So what if that's your top six, Burakovsky, 
Bjorkstrand, Eberle, Gord, Wright, and uh, Beneers. Is it crazy to pick Seattle to make the playoffs? Um, yes and no. I like. I still think it's too early for them. The reason I would say no, it's not crazy, is because the Pacific like, was a dumpster fire. I was going to say, look at the Pacific. Like, Calgary is probably good enough that if they want to get in, they're going to get in. Well, we, we are going to talk about Calgary yeah. in a minute because somehow or other, like, that that's a whole discussion that goes along with the Chuck Fletcher discussion. Sure. Because cause if you want to talk about general managers putting in work and finding a way to work with a situation, there it is in a nutshell. That's fair. But, but I would look at the Pacific, and I would say that there are two locks. I would put Vegas as a lock. I would put Edmonton as a Vegas as a lock. Did very, Vegas did very interesting thing. Like their off season, like they moved some stuff around, right? Like they right. moved some things around, and they're definitely. It's going to be an interesting year for them. I I think that the most important thing for them. I think is they're going to be able to ice a more consistent roster. Last right. year, the they most important were just thing for them is go is, and throw it. But the most important thing for them is if Mark Stone's not hurt for half the year and Jack Eichel's on the team for the whole year, and you know all that. I mean, defensively too, they had the same problems. Did they Put, not? Like defensively, they couldn't keep guys healthy. Putting those two on the same line feels like a cheat code. Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't Eichel Stone? <laughs> Well, right, why? So, well, why? Because Eichel's a, a really skilled forward, obviously, and then Stone's good both ways because Stone can get – Stone gets elky talk sometimes, fully healthy and plays the whole year. With Patrice Bergeron kind of on the tail end of his career, I knew he signed one more year one more year in Boston, or he's expected to? I don't to, know if that deal was official I, yet. I, I, if it, he's it coming well, back, but if, yes, it's Boston. You. Yes, it is. But either way, with him winding down his career, whatever form that takes – Mark Stone just takes over as that guy, right? Like um, you expect could. him to be there every year. Barkov is probably up there too. Barkov's the guy I think I would right. think who's gonna but be that guy. Regardless, in the Pacific, just talking about Seattle being a much better team. Going back to that, sorry. Sure. Uh, I, mean, I have I, Vegas. I have Vegas as a lock. I have Edmonton as a lock. Edmonton's after that, it's a, a lock. After that, it's a toss-up. I think the right. LA Kings are good, and they're a real contender to make that spot there. I think Seattle got better. I think they have a chance to compete for it. I think there's a chance Anaheim comes out of the woodwork and has a Anaheim's, little bit of fun with it. Anaheim they had a rough really, offseason. What, Anaheim did? Losing Sonny Milano for nothing is ridiculous. I'm not going to lie. That's, I don't yeah, know what they're their doing choice. out there. They didn't tender the contract. That's, I know. That's, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I don't know what you're doing. You went on vacation too early, whoever your GM. I don't even know who their GM is. Um, the GM in Anaheim now is um, – oh goodness pat verbeek i think pat verbeek okay yeah. uh vancouver is a team that uh, they have talent if they made the playoffs i don't think anyone would be super surprised uh, like the, it's not the deepest division in the world no but, but like, there's a lot of teams that could do the thing let me just let like, me even just the sharks the one team i didn't mention let me just bring up something with because uh, i hear you you're sitting here saying the thing about Sonny milano and i i get it i'm yeah. looking at anaheim's roster right now uh, there's now I'm gonna go. To, I'm going down alphabetically, so I'm mentioning names out of probably out of order of priority yeah. level here. But just out of the forward group, I think Max Comtois is a good player. I like yeah, him. solid. Okay, you've got veteran. I believe, although I, I believe he cleared waivers this year, so yeah, I don't. Point, uh, yes, but I think yeah. he's. I think he can hopefully bounce back. Yeah, Adam Henrique is a solid vet that you have there, like to lean on. I for can't veteran. believe he's still in the league. I know. Okay. I do like Silverberg. I think. Jakob Silverberg's a good player. Ryan Strom is a good addition. So is Frank Vitrano, along with the, the other guys who you're you know are going to be stars. I mean, like they're going to be stars. Troy Terry and 
Trevor Zegers. They're going yeah. to be stars. Trevor Zegers already is a star. I don't care. Yeah, I hear you. But do you, like, you know what I'm saying? Like those four guys at forward already, and I and then Silverberg. Like you've got the makings of a top six that can do some damage. Especially I agree. These, especially for how young Terry and Zegers are. And then like, your defense is solid too. Like well, because you know why? You're, well, your defense is solid because number one, you just shorted up with John Klingberg right. for a year. And I get that, like it's well, only and a year, but like that's a great no risk shot for them because sure it is, especially either he had... helps you make a run or you flip him at the deadline, retain half the salary, right. maybe route it through another team, get it under two million on the on the AAV. Well, exactly, and, and you and get a, happens... you get a first round pick for him, right? And and then here's the thing, you've got plenty like Klingberg's just another veteran along with Shattenkirk and Fowler, right? And like the, Ben Sherratt real... fetched a first round pick this trade deadline, yeah, like. For real. And John Klingberg other, gets a first round pick. Well, and then the other headliner of the whole thing at this point is pretty much yeah, is the youngest guy on the blue line, but he's going to be a star also. Jamie Drysdale. Jamie like, Drysdale's a stud. And the fact that you have, you know, at this point, like there was a lot, a lot of talk that John Gibson was not going to be the goaltender in Anaheim anymore. That he was potentially on I the move. I don't get it, man. I well, here's the thing. You didn't. Ha- you don't have to get it because he's still the goaltender in Anaheim. Right. But there was a lot of talk about it, but he's still there. And you've well, got him and Stolarz, which is was a good. I thought was a good. Stoli the goalie, baby. I thought that was a good tandem last year. By the way, I think I still think Anthony Stolarz is the perfect. He's not a one B. He's a two, but I think he's a really good two. He's going to play thirty to thirty five games. He's exactly the type of guy who needs to play behind a John Gibson or exactly. of that level. And you put a guy like him in there who you know you're given 25, 30 games at most, and Gibson runs the show. Stoli, you know, come it, home. <laughs> listen, when you're done um, doing your thing for Anaheim, that's fine. Hey, come, listen, be, come be that same exact goaltender behind Carter Hart. Hey, listen, if they decide that they don't have something in Felix Sandstrom or something, like, you know, you could do worse than having Stoli back up uh, Carter If Hart, Anaheim right? is selling at the deadline, I expect Chuck to inquire. <laughs> Um, you expect who to inquire? Well, if it's even him, fine. I expect someone to inquire under the direction of Bob Clark. How about that? Okay. (laughs) Okay. I like the caveat. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? Like you didn't mention San Jose. Like you said, that's the one team I think I wouldn't give much of a shot. to. Sure. But even then, like there's enough talent there. They could put it together. You never know. They've got talent. I think they just have it too limited. Like you take one of those players out of the picture at forward, and and now defensively they're still like they don't have Burns anymore defensively. Yeah, but they never had Burns defensively. Burns was okay, a you forward. know what I mean. I'm saying, but like <laughs> no, but Burns was a good power play guy for them. So you take that off. I mean, you got Eric Carlson. I get it, but Carlson's got to stay healthy. Fair. If that doesn't happen. Then what? You're going to expect Logan Couture and Timo Meyer to run your power play, too? But quite frankly, when Carlson was healthy last year, he looked really good. Yeah, I, oh, I hear you. Maybe not, he maybe not 2017 Carlson, because that player was sure. otherworldly freakish, but he looked really good. I think what I'm wondering at this point, because I, I agree with you that Vegas is probably more of a lock now to get it. They have to be a lock, uh, unless something goes catastrophic there, which, quite frankly, it's Vegas, well, need, it might. Goal, the key is they need goaltending. Like actually, like fair, and it's and I'm not, like that's not a question of if like Robin Leiner being a good good enough goaltender. Can he play him. the games? Can it's they get a backup who can play behind them? Right? Can you get guys who stay in net? That's the key for them. Edmonton, I think you're right because Edmonton to me addressed their biggest weakness. They've got you know the goaltending situation is better. You got to admit it's better. Right. And Calgary, 
what we're going to get into Calgary a little more again because we're going to talk about the big. Yeah, I want to talk about that, that next. Yeah, sure. Like the, you know, at this point, Anaheim, like LA, was there last year already, so I think they've got a good enough roster to still be there. Especially, I agree. The, as the younger guys get more experience. Yeah, Anaheim you're just concerned about Kopitar falling off. Oh, sure. it's the only major concern. Dowdy well, too, Kopitar, to a lesser Dowdy, extent. Like, like, like right. you saw Even that it quick. was the tail end for well, you, well, right. You saw it was the tail end for Dustin Brown this year. Like, yep. it, it is when's it going to be that time for these guys? Yeah, right. absolutely. Um, Anaheim's got an intriguing roster to me that I would keep an eye on. I don't like. Do I think that Seattle's a playoff contender? Probably not. Because there's, I, I think there's five other teams that have a better shot. And the other, believe, believe it or not, I think Vancouver's got a great shot to make the playoffs because they came on strong in the second half. They're not going to have a disastrous first half this year, I don't think, because of the fact that th- th- it's Boudreaux's team. Right. Like, you start that way. I love what Thatcher Demko brings. I think he's one of those goalies that's on the rise that I would put easily put into the top 10 goalies in the league conversation right now. Um, but by the way, shout out to uh, Seattle and Dave Haxtall. They finally have a roster with enough talent for him to appropriately suppress. So that'll go well for them. <laughs> they have enough young, healthy players to scratch. It's it's going to be great. I can't wait until he healthy scratches Shane, Shane Wright, Wright two weeks I into know. the season. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, give man. it to me, Maddie Beneers. Do- is, Maddie Beneers <sighs> is not putting up points regularly enough. He's going to need a night off just to. Uh, Take a mental break. Matty Beneers has three assists in ten games. We're giving him a night off just right. to uh, get his head straight and uh, yeah. take so, a look. So I, I, I think that if I'm looking at this and if I'm reading reading it correctly, like to me, San Jose is not making the playoffs. I think Seattle in the long run doesn't make the playoffs, but they're better. fair. And yeah, and the Central's so good, they're gonna have five spots. I think there's only three to three to the three division spots up for grabs here in the Pacific. So, okay, let's look at the Central for a moment just to go over who you think's making it out of that. So Colorado's a definite. St. Louis is a definite. I'm not as convinced on Minnesota at this point, I'll be honest. I think Nashville's probably a playoff team. I think two years of flurry. I think Minnesota's there for sure. I think they hope to be there. I just don't I just don't know for quite, sure. Quite frankly, I think Nashville is pretty close to a shoe Okay, hang on a minute. I have a caveat for Minnesota. Okay. Until we know what the deal with Kaprizov Fair. is, you know what? Then, Fair. Then I don't know. But like right now, I'm sitting here going, their off season didn't impress me enough. Oh no, Kaprizov, and they challenged the Flyers for a lottery spot. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know about that because I think they're too good for that. But I think it gets real ugly in a hurry. There. You you mean to tell me you think Minnesota's battling for a lottery spot in the same division as Chicago and Arizona? I do. Because I, I think Arizona is going to take some strides. I don't know if they're going to be good, but I think they're going to take some possi- strides. Is it possible that Winnipeg is the fourth playoff team out of this division? If there is Connor Hellebuck, man. Well, yeah, sure. Like, I mean, if, I, think da- I think Dallas is better. If 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 I told you, hey, uh, Connor Hellebuck had a nine three eight and yeah. a two o two, and he had nine shutouts, and they made the playoffs. Would you be surprised by that stat line? No, I wouldn't. Right, and he'll he'll win the Vesna, well, and, and he'll be in contention for the heart. And and in the same in the same vein, by the way, I feel the same way about Dallas a little bit. Like you're going to get Jake Ottinger for the whole year now. There's no question anymore. Yeah, but I think right? there's a better roster in front in Dallas than there is in uh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg well, is that I agree with borderline. You. I think, I think, I think Winnipeg is, is borderline crumbling. 
I think I, I really like the way that Dallas is looking right now. I think that they're actually kind of a kind of a bit of a. You still have to sign Jason Robertson. Still have to sign Jason Robertson. Yeah, but I like I just like him as a player anyway, and it's not like he's going anywhere because we're past. Right, that and I think they're gonna sign him. Oh, right. It's just it's just how much. That's the question. But right. Um, I, I what I'd be curious about most with Dallas is well, like, and I get it. You're losing Klingberg now, and we knew that all along. But Heiskanen's the guy. We knew that Heiskanen's the guy, man. He is on that so blue line. Good. He absolutely is. But he is so good at hockey. It's... I'm, I think the thing I'm wondering most about Dallas's roster is what more at this stage of their careers, anyway. How much more can you get out of Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, kind of stuff? More like, like there's... the thing is, but the thing is, you have their replacements. Like minute oh, yeah. wise, I'm not oh, talking yeah. play wise. I'm not no, talking I, style I wise. But minute wise, you have their direct replacements in Rope Hints and Jason Robertson. Well, right, and that's the interesting thing. Like. I think you're starting to know what to expect from those guys. Like you're starting to know what to expect from Rope Hints and like remember and, a couple years ago when Sean Couturier kind of quietly passed Claude Giroux as like probably the Flyers' best forward. Oh, I think we already saw that last year in Dallas. By the way, I well, right, already, that's what I'm saying. Jason I think Jason know. Robertson did that this past season. I think he just cleanly passed Tyler Sagan. He He's their best forward. He passed everybody. I mean, right. he, I don't even know if he was in the top six at the start of the year. And assuming, assume, assuming they get that deal done, and I'm assuming they will, and assuming he everyone shows up and is good and blah blah blah, he's he might score forty every year for the next decade. The fact that you just said that means it's happening tomorrow. By the way, cool. That's awesome. Good for him. <laughs> no, get I'm just that money. Out there. <laughs> but uh, regardless, point, I though. like I said, looking at the Pacific real quick, I think Colorado's well, your lock. St. Louis is a lock. I think Nashville's a lock. And then you I think go so too. By the way, that's a great point. I think Nashville is a lock. And then you go to Minnesota or Winnipeg for that fifth spot. I don't think anybody in the Pacific is better than Minnesota or Winnipeg. No, I, I agree with that. I think that at that point in time, that, so you're putting unless like you said, unless L A makes major strides, I'm gonna point that out. L A is one of those teams they could just put it together and be a wagon out of nowhere. Right. I mean, well, and here's the thing too: Anaheim looked like a playoff team last year until it all fell apart. Yeah. If they can do the same thing at the start and then stay there, I mean, they could be in conversation the All Star break. Right. Like it's not impossible. I mean, I mean, let's put it this way: everybody could be in the conversation at the All Star break. I mean, every team we're calling a bubble team at this point: L.A., Anaheim, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Dallas, Minnesota. You know, you name it; they could all be like we're pretty much in agreement. Chicago, Arizona, not going to make it, and right. then on the other side, San Jose and Seattle are probably not going to make it, and the right. rest it's pretty we'll wide see. open. There's right. going to be some battles for some playoff well, spots. First of all, I think it's funny that we're having this conversation today because the last show was all Eastern Conference, so we really yeah. kind of had it out with yeah. the Eastern Conference. we got to get to the trade, though. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got to get to this trade. The team that won the West last year, it's it's interesting that we're talking about the West because the team that won the West last year, we talked about Johnny Gaudreau leaving in free agency. Turns out they lost another piece of their 100-100-100 line. Uh, Matthew Kachuk informed the team that he would not be re-signing there in free agency. Right. Uh, and as such, his rights to de- his uh, rights were dealt to Florida. Uh, here is the whole trade. The uh, Florida Panthers receive Matthew Kachuk and a conditional 2025 fourth-round pick. Well, we can talk about the conditions later. They don't matter. <laughs> in return, the Flames get Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwint in a conditional 2025 first-round pick, 
both of those picks can come become 2026. It doesn't really matter, like I said. The big pieces here are Matthew Kachuk for essentially Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger is the biggest right. chunk of the trade. So what's your breakdown here? So first of all, a couple things, because number one, I think I, that the first most important thing to talk about with this trade is the fact that I'm actually going to I'm going to go back to the other picture really quick because we're talking about Kachuk here specifically on this part. This is the this is the precedent that's going to set a tone and a trend in the NHL. The fact that essentially Matthew Kachuk signed with Calgary to have the new contract traded. It was l- quite legitimately the first sign and trade NHL deal. We love that. This is going to happen more often in the future. Yep. It's been now that it's been done, somebody was a groundbreaker here. You know, this is going to happen way more in the future. And so he, he, so here's my breakdown of the whole thing. From Florida's standpoint, I do th- like was it an overpay? Yes, I'll get into that in a minute though. I think that Kachuk is a good fit for them. I think that he'll fit in really well there. I think he'll be productive. I mean, you're going to put him with Barkov, and that's that's where you start, right? I, like, I, yeah, but I, you're saying you think it was a bit of an overpay. I think you had to do it to make the money the money work. Partially. I, I, I'll i get into that in a second when we get okay. more to what Calgary got. Yeah. But, Brad for Living did phenomenally in this well, trade, by no, the way. Yeah, you know, well, here's the, here's the reason why. There's a, there, There's been a, like... I don't think this is a bad deal for Florida. Like, I think that at the at the end of the day, if someone told you, like, if Matthew Kachuk was just a free agent, just an unrestricted free agent, not an RFA that needed to re-sign and do all that, right? Like, not right. all that stuff. If he was a UFA and signed somewhere for eight years, nine and a half mil per, I think a lot of people would sit there and say that's a really good deal for him at this stage of his career, right? Like, he's twenty six. I think he's a little younger than 24 that. something like that you're getting you're getting essentially you're getting the, his pri- yeah he's 24 that's right okay. so, it's so you're getting the the rest of his prime you're getting his prime oh you're getting his whole prime at that point yes right. you are getting 24 to 32 look at how good that sounds like i for from that standpoint i love it i think you're getting a player who is you're gonna see his best years in florida now that's the way it is and he's agreed to be part of that. And Barkov Kachuk is going to be so annoying to play against. Sure, it is. Of course, it is. Because well, because here's the thing: Barkov's he's, a monster, and Kachuk's a monster in different and ways. He, and he's sandpaper. He is so like for a <sighs> skill forward, he's sandpaper. It's like too. playing against Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand. A it's little like, bit, yeah. It's like playing against Nicholas Backstrom and Tom yeah, Wilson. You, like you know, it's well. <sighs> I, I, I like your first comparison better. I fair. like your first yeah, Martian thing. You know what the difference is, though? Because both of them can produce to this to that level. Kachuk's way bigger than Brad Marchand. Kachuk is a monster. Like, physically, he's way... Oh, he's a horse. Like, here's the thing. Look at the picture. It's up on the screen right now if you're watching on YouTube. Okay, that's not fair. Johnny Gaudreau is very small. No, but Brad Marchand's not much taller. That's fair. And Gaudreau is. And look at the way that Kachuk looks next. It to also kind of looks like Johnny Gaudreau's falling a little bit here. It does a little, but okay. it's fine. Either way. Um, like, uh, there's been a lot of, but there has been a lot of heat on Bill Zito in Florida for the fact that basically, in addition to the players he traded in this deal, you also made a bunch of big trades or supposedly big trades. Like, like they don't have first round picks for a while. Like, the next three seasons All right pending lottery results their next guaranteed first round pick is 2026, 2026. correct like, and that's insane exactly that, so, so a lot we, of we talk not... about chuck fletcher managing for picks that he's never gonna make bill zito's hoping he's here to 
ride well, this out. He, but their window's open. Well, exactly. Like they if have Sergey Bobrovsky making ten million dollars. Like your window's wide open. You got to go. Here's the funny part to me, and this is I, I, like goaltending wise, they're fine because oh, you've yeah. got Spencer Knight now, and I know Bobrovsky's making a lot of money, and he is getting older. I think that like like as we're getting toward the tail end of that contract for Bobrovsky, they're going to transition play. to Spencer Knight beautifully. Well, they, I, that's that's the reason why I like it. Yep. Like. I've, well, always, way, I've and, always expected that the contract that Bobrovsky signed to make $10 million a year, he was going to start to break down physically at the sure. end of that because of the fact that that's the style he plays. He's a very athletic goaltender in the sense that he can throw his body around. And eventually, when you're 35, I don't think he can do those things like you did when you were 25. Right, you know certainly I mean? not to the same efficiency. Right. But you do have Spencer Knight behind him, and I think you've got you've got the next one right there. You know, like you're you're waiting for Spencer Knight to emerge as the number one eventually, the same way that Dallas did with Jake Ottinger, the same way that any other team does, right? Like yeah. you got teams that are waiting for that guy. And if I'm if I'm Bill Zito, by the way, I want to give Spencer Knight like a two or three year bridge deal. Right. And then you're trying to, you're trying to get that next deal on the cheap. You're, you're right. trying to wait him out. Wait for the cap to jump so you can afford to have 13, 14, 15, mil, whatever his number is for a couple of years to the end of the Bobrovsky contract. You're absolutely a thousand and percent right. Then you can lock him up for a billion dollars. Like sign him when he's 26 <laughs> and Sergey Bobrovsky's contract runs out, sign him for that $10 million because he'll probably have earned it by then. But so, you, you bridge him now and you get him to when the cap jumps. That's the big one. Once the cap jumps and you can afford that goalie space, you're in the clear. I think you're absolutely right on that. So I want to go and look at something really quick. So let's look. I want to look at Florida's forward group for a second because I'm going to just pull out the names that I feel comfortable with, like that these are good players. And obviously, Kachuk's one of them, right? Like, yeah. Kachuk is obviously a headliner of this. You've got Barkov. That's, that's huge, obviously. If Sam Bennett's giving you what Sam Bennett can give you, you've got a good one there. If Anthony Duclair is giving you what he can give you, you've got a Man. decent one there, right? Like, yeah, I like Anthony Duclair a lot. If Sam Reinhart is giving you what Sam Reinhart can give you, you've got one there. How about the biggest name that we were talking about during the playoffs who, like, everybody was kind of like, who's this guy? If Carter Verhage's playing on the line with Barkov and Kachuk, potentially. He probably will be, at least at, at least at times. And I gotta And I got to tell you, among the names I like beyond that, if they give Anton Lundell some real good minutes here and he stays on the ice, you got one there too. Like oh, their forward a, group a, is still yeah. like and then then I'm looking at the compliment pieces beyond those seven. Nick Cousins, Patrick Hornquist, Ryan Lomberg. Flyers legend Nick Cousins. Well, you got another Flyer legend on the roster now too. You got Flyers legend Jerry Mayhew on the roster too. Oh yeah, baby. I actually, by the way, underrated part of the roster as I'm looking through it, Chris Tierney. Okay. You're looking for fourth line guys. That's what he is, right? And by the way, another underrated free agency move: Robert Hag to Detroit. <laughs> yeah, Keep an right. eye on it. My concern, and it's the biggest thing to me, and I'll, I'll flip the picture really quick because it's the biggest thing they gave up to me in the deal. It's not Huberdeau, it's, in my opinion. It's you think McKenzie it's Weger? Weger? Okay. Like because I don't know, like outside of Ekblad, who's the guy? Like by I the thought, way, I don't want to understate Huberdo for Kachuk. Like these are two hundred no, point scores. Kachuk was or. Uh, I think Kachuk was something like fifth or sixth in league scoring last year, and Huberto was second. Tied, yeah, tied for second with Gaudreau, I think. Right? Second in league scoring and got traded, and they had to add sweeteners. That's how insane this deal is. I know they had to add a first round pick in Mackenzie Weger. 
Isn't it okay? So isn't it pretty crazy that at this point you've got so Kachuk was eighth in the league in scoring. Hey Calgary fans, what's it like to have a GM who knows what value is? <laughs> Kachuk was eighth in the league in scoring. Eighth, okay. Okay, Gaudreau and Huberto tied for second. All three of them have been on the move. We're sitting here asking. Wild. We just had this. We just did the last thing where we were talking about all the teams in the Central and the Pacific. And we just asked the question, well, what happens with Kirill Kaprizov if yep. he's playing? Because we know that there was a whole thing with that. He was fifth in the league in scoring. Wild. The top then, ten and, might look entirely different next year, and it won't well, have anything it, to do with on the like, well, ice. And then take out the guys who you knew weren't going anywhere. Like, gee, Connor McDavid led the league in scoring. So, Whoa. gee, I wonder if he was going anywhere. You think Leon Dreisaitl's there, too? Four, right? right. Austin Matthews at tied for sixth with Steven Stamkos. Are those guys going anywhere different next year? No, no, of course not. To be fair, like, uh, th- there's always a chance Stamkos isn't there just because he's getting older. Eh, uh, not right now. Not after three straight Stanley Cup final appearances as your captain. You don't do that. Two and a half final appearances. Let's be <laughs> honest. Come on. No, I'm saying three years in a row. He's no, your I know. Captain getting you there. I, I, I hear you. He didn't play in the final. Yes, I get that. <laughs> he um, played a, a shift and a half. <laughs> still scored a goal. He sure did. All counts. All right, um, so like I look at this deal and I sit there like I think Uyghur's the bigger part of the whole thing. Like honestly, like yeah, and the wrinkle on the deal is that the fact that Huberto and Uyghur both have one year remaining. Right, and 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 that's why, like I even said, I understood why it cost a lot of money because you got the guarantee that Kachuk signed. Right. If if this was a straight up deal, Kachuk's going to Florida, but it's you're not getting a huge deal out of him. He's not, he'll you're getting his rights and you negotiate with him now. Then it's not right. the same deal. But he signed the contract, eight years, nine and a half mil per, to go over and be part of this, right? Like to be part of this group, and it's a long term thing. Huberto and Uyghur, you've got to convince them. Like that's that's when it's a home run for Calgary. Like this is a good deal for Florida, and it's a good deal for Calgary. Sure, it will become a great home run level deal for Calgary. If they if they long term both of these guys, yeah, and if they don't, again, they have one year remaining. They're prime assets to flip at the deadline. And are you telling me Jonathan Huberto isn't going to fetch just a ridiculous return for half a year at a reduced salary the for a only playoff reason, run? The only reason I'm disagreeing here is not that it's not that they wouldn't. They're not going to be in a position to sell. No, I agree, and I think they're like, going to be a good they're team. They're going to sit here and go, well, we're making a playoff push, and we've got to stick with this. And that does put them in a tough spot. Right. Like, they, they won't be, there's not, there's not going to be an opportunity. There's no way that they will be able to but make if the, the deal with these guys knowing where they're going to be. But, but it's a nice insurance policy to know that if the wheels fall off and, God forbid, Jacob Markstrom gets hurt and your whole season kind sure. of crumbles a little bit, you have a really good break glass in case of emergency. And, and there's no... There's nothing that says that by the time we're, you know, a month from now, by the time we're wrapping up the offseason and getting ready for training camps, that one or both have not signed a deal. Long-term deals. Absolutely. Right? Like, and to be honest, the guy who, like, I think Huberto is going to probably hold out for a little on this because if he replicates last season, he's going to make a lot of money. We know this. It, he but, shouldn't sign a year early unless Brad Trilliving no, sweethearts him. No, but could you see Weger doing it? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Yep. If, if if you if you sign Mackenzie Weger long term in in Calgary, five years, six million per for a player of Mackenzie right Weger's cali- caliber. caliber. Because Weger was gonna like Weger was playing. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't he top pairing with Ekblad? He was up there. He was in the top four for sure. Yeah, that, and that's what I'm asking. Like I'm, and that's what I'm asking. I'm going who? So who plays with Ekblad now? 
Like the best name that I saw. Brad Kogutis. No, it wasn't him, but I hear you. The, the guy who I saw people putting with him was Gustav Forsling, but it's like, okay, that's not a comparison to me. Like no. Forsling's a nice defenseman, definitely top four worthy, but not top pair worthy. Right. And you're taking a hit there, I think. That's like, fair. I, I, I don't know. Like, like who else besides that? Like, you're going to move Brandon Montour up? Montour's like a perfect second pair defenseman. Yeah, I could see him. I could see him having success with an Ekblad type. I could Mont- see, I could, well, yeah, I could see him playing a good if they what, end up Montour, trying him on the top pair. Ekblad, yeah, saying? yeah, I could see him getting only, a shot on the top the pair. Only reason I'm hesitant, they're both right-handed shots, and that's actually like making me think you want Montour on your second there. Yeah, but I don't you want to necessarily... line up. You really, you really want to line up. Truthfully, you want to line it up. Ekblad, Montour, Gudis. That's as your three rights, but then you needed a left. Right. You know what I mean? And that's fair. Like Forsling's fine. But like to me, like right now, you're gonna put Lucas Carlson on your second pair, and you're gonna put Mark Stahl on your third, based on the way I'm reading it. And it's like, I just don't know. Like, I, I feel it's like a little I kind underwhelming. Of, right, well, I, I'm sitting here going, I feel a little bit bad for Sergey Bobrovsky right now. Like, this is not as good of a defense to play behind right now. Now, if you're getting look, if you're getting full commitment from Barkov and and the like, you know, play back. Okay, I think you got something. But right, I'm just not. I'm just not convinced with that group, and I look at and I look at Calgary, and I think Huberto just gave them kind of the Gaudreau replacement. Yes, you know, like he quite literally to a T the number of points scored. He's you know he's he can score goals as well as Gaudreau can when he gets on a roll. I think I, don't know I think overall he is a slightly better player than Johnny Gaudreau. I'd be willing to. Huberto's gonna and Huberto's gonna look like you're sitting here talking about putting Kachuk with Barkov. Huberto's gonna look really good with Lindholm. Yeah, like it's gonna be yeah. the same equation here. And at this point, I mean, they only have, truthfully, they only have one natural right winger on the roster at the moment who's listed as a right winger. But you've got guys who I know can move over there. Sure, the wing is pretty pretty easy. I mean, if you want to take the if you want to take the route of the natural right winger, you're putting Toffoli over there. If you <sighs> If you want to get a little spicy here, maybe. Didn't Huberto on... just set a record for assists in a season? Um, That's a good question. Wasn't Tyler Toffoli top five in NHL goals last season? <laughs> or uh, not this last... past season, but the season. Oh, well, recently. The, the 2021 uh, season. He might have been, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was top five in goals, and Jonathan Huberto just set an NHL record for assists in a season. Do it. Do it. Come on. Well, here's, here's the thing. If you want to get a little spicy with it, do you go Mangiapani? On the other side there, so it's so your top line is Huberto, Lindholm, Mangiapane. Like, man, that power play unit's nasty because you just get to have both of them. Well, then guess what? Guess who I'm lining up as the as the second line at that point, probably. Okay. I mean, you could like, let's just wait. If if you want like Toffoli at that point would drop to the second line. I'm throwing Mikael Backlund is as your center, and depending on who's going to play where, I mean. If if you're not worried about playing him down the middle, what if Blake Coleman's playing on the left there? Man, that's actually a nice little second line. Or, or, or if not him, what if it's Dylan Dubé? Like they've got. I think players. I, I, I think I like Blake Coleman there, but I wouldn't mind putting Dylan Dubé well, there sometimes. And it, and it could be totally yeah. different. It, like guess what? If if you find somebody else, like who's to say they're done? Right, and you can change. We've seen people change lines mid game, mid shift, half the time. Like, like I, imagine if you didn't have to do that. Like, what if you've got something else up your sleeve right now 
that's going to put somebody on the right wing on that line with Huberdeau yeah. and Lindholm. We're not done second, yet. And your second line is Backlund with Mangiapane and Toffoli. There are dominoes still to fall. Like, the league's not done yet. They can't be. Nazem Kadri's not signed. The Islanders haven't announced anything. Like, (laughs) the league can't be done. There has to be movement. Well, so it's funny that you say this because I want to go into something that's – because I'm checking something first. Okay. Okay. See, nothing else has really happened, so I do think we – No, wait. Here's the thing. They have the money. Calgary at the moment, assuming that this includes – Everybody, I'm just double checking to make sure it includes Huberdo and it includes Uyghur, and it does. They still have over nine million dollars of cap space left. I saw it already pitched once, and I'll say it on here because you just mentioned his name as as still being out there. What if you replaced Johnny Gaudreau with Jonathan Huberdo through this trade? And what if your replacement to Matthew Kachuk is Hey Nazem Kadri's out there? Let's go sign him. Is that making lemonade out of lemons when you knew Gaudreau probably wasn't going to sign? And... Your only problem there is you still don't have Mangiapane and Shillington signed. Right. So, so you don't that's... have the money you think you have. You don't complete. Well, here the only way. You don't have the money different... for Nazem Kadri. Uh, I don't know about that. And I'll tell you why I don't know about that. Because nobody money. else has the money for Nazem Kadri? No, because right now, according to, the, according to Cat Friendly, you've got over $25 million tied up to... Oh, you have LTIR spots? You, no, to nine defensemen. Oh, uh, you can move some of that out. Right, like some of this is going to move. Like you're going to put on, like you're going to put somebody on waivers. Like they did, like they did resign. Like, but even then, like here's the thing. Okay, who cares if they don't add add Kadri specifically? There's still other free agents out that they could add, or they could try to make another trade or whatever. I like their defensive core. Like, with Uyghur in it now, you've got Hannafin, Anderson, Tanev, Zadarov, Valamaki, Shillington. Like, you've got the – that's a good seven. And Jacob Markstrom behind. And Jacob Markstrom. Who has been goal. a very solid goalie throughout his career. Like, At times a spectacular goalie, quite frankly. Like, this team is not going to really miss as much of a beat as people think, even though they lost their two best forwards. I agree. You know what I mean? And I don't – like, at this point – if you're if you're asking me at some point, hey, you know what? Like, where do where do things go from here in terms of like, okay, we've had this discussion. Like, we sat here, we just we just looked at the Pacific, we looked at the Central. We're like, okay, who are the playoff teams? Who aren't the playoff teams? And obviously, we've done this with the Metro because we basically put the Flyers at the bottom and then just debated who else is in there. Filled right? it in from there. But if you're looking at the Atlantic and you're asking yourself, where do the points come from? <sighs> I think a good chunk of the points come from Florida's total from last year, like. I don't think Florida's getting 120 points this time around. Do you? Not, no, I don't. Here's I don't the thing, though. I like I can though. Like the reason. Okay, the, and the, there's a re, there's a reason why I can't, and it has nothing necessarily to do with the fact that they don't have players. I think the other teams are better. Like now, your your but, games against Detroit aren't a shoe in anymore. Your games against. But Florida has the one factor that has you in the game every single night. They have the goaltending. That depends, and I, it, it, you know, and it depends on it depends on if Bobrovsky is still playing to that level, but and here's how quickly the thing. they pivot to tonight when it happens. Exactly, as long as your coach manages it correctly, which obviously is not a given, especially his first year with the new squad. That's right. Let's not forget who the coach of that team is now. You know, like I don't, I don't mean calling him a bad coach. It's just you got a different philosophy in here now. This is not but what if, last year was. But if things are handled properly, right, and you. 
You pull Sergei Bobrovsky when he needs to be pulled, and like you pull him when he gives up three goals on the first eleven shots in the first period. Like, do the right things, make the right decisions, and the team in front is talented enough to score. And Spencer Knight is good enough to shut the door, and you're still going to have a chance in that game. The only thing that makes me that gives me a little bit of pause is that I um, I'm kind of asking if questions with a couple of the forwards. Like, fair. We've seen high ceiling at this point from. You know, from Sam Bennett, from Anthony Duclair, and it's like, listen, if they can produce at the same level, you're going to be fine. But I, if they can't, where is it coming from elsewhere at this point? Like, who helps you take that much more of a step forward? Like, unless it is Kachuk replacing it, um, if Kirkov goes to a new level than he's already at, then I don't know where it's coming from. I'm going to throw out a little bit of a take here, and it might be a bit of a hot take. Okay. I think a lot of Jonathan Huberdeau's points were a result of Alexander Barkov. So you think Barkov makes I think, better, makes everybody else better? I think Barkov stirred the drink in Florida. More than Huberto, I guess, anyway. All right. And I think Kachuk – I think the, the line in Calgary was a more even split. Okay. And I think in Florida it was Barkov carrying good players up to an elite level. Okay. And I think – Bark, I think you're underestimating what Barkov could do with an elite, a truly elite teammate. Okay. I don't um, know if John, I don't know if Jonathan Huberdeau is independently elite, if that makes sense. Okay, that's fair. Um, the, the reason why I feel the way I do about Florida is because in fact we just had, like I said, we just had this big discussion from the West side of things, and. I feel like we're sitting here on the West side asking ourselves, okay, so who's going to battle each other because. We feel like there's a lot of teams in the middle of the pack right now. Like, we know that there's your clear cut. Oh, they're good. They're going to make it. Like, we did that with, like, in the Central to be specific. It was like, listen, you're not questioning whether or not Edmund or whether or not Colorado or St. Louis are going to make the playoffs, are you? Like, come on. That's They're going to make the playoffs. Okay. So, looking at at the Atlantic real quick, we kind of have something similar in my book. In my, can we agree that Buffalo is probably not a playoff team this year? It would be a stretch. I think they'll be better, though, actually. I think they'll Fair. be a better team this year. But. Fair, but I think in this division, I don't think they're going to... Okay, I think they're going to be a better team. I don't know if you'll see it in their results. Just because of the division they play in. Okay, that's fair. Uh, same thing with Montreal. I mm-hmm. can we, we can agree that they're probably not a playoff team. Okay, looking at the top of the division, I think we have a shoe-in that Tampa's in. Okay, I and agree. I'm, and I'm willing to call it a shoe-in that Toronto's in. I agree. And then we find ourselves in a similar situation that we have some, kind of with some of these other divisions where it's those middle four. It's Here's what it is to me. It's exactly the conversation we just had with the Pacific where we yep. looked and we said San Jose's probably not, you know, at this stage. Seattle Seattle in, this, in the uh, Pacific is your Buffalo. Like, right. they're not but, there yet, but they're going to be better. I think in the in the Atlantic you have a little bit more of an established two and two. You have your haves and your have nots. And well, right. You have you Boston two- and Florida who have been there and made the playoffs and right. been one of those powerhouse teams. And then on the other side you have Detroit uh, and you have Ottawa, Ottawa yeah. who are on the up and coming and knocking on the door. Right. And I think more more likely than not. Both of one group are going to make the push. It's either going to be both the young up-and-coming teams or both the old established teams. I don't think it'll be a right. split. That's interesting. Okay, I don't know about that, but we'll see. Um, it's that's the most. That might be the most intriguing division to me. I mean, oh, it's fascinating. 
And that's that's saying a lot with the way that the Metro looks, and it's saying a lot with the way that the Pacific looks and all that type of stuff. Like, it's going to be an interesting league this year. It's I think the the mix changed dramatically. Well, exactly. Well, and here's the thing too: you can't underestimate the fact that both Ottawa and Detroit got one of the pieces that Florida thought put them over the top a year yep. ago. Yep. Like, and and we're starting to see the churn of the flat salary cap. Like we're really starting to see that. Right. Churn because how well, many of these guys filtered to Detroit or Ottawa sure. or Anaheim or like these teams that have kind of been at the bottom but are kind of starting to make their run? Sure. And I, I think what this also does is that this is going to be this is an interesting year then for when the salary cap kicks in and you get the, the boost because what happens if Ottawa is the playoff team? Ottawa is an, incre- an incredible spot moving right. forward. Like, like if, Their like contracts exactly. are in such a good, such like, good What team. happens if you're the playoff team and then all of a sudden when you come out of that, like out of this flat cap era and you're getting increases again, what happens when you have the money again and all of a sudden you're, you're now the good team with I don't all the know, young players? You know what I mean? I don't know how, Col- or how Ottawa stumbled ass backwards out of the Eric Carlson trade and somehow ended up just setting themselves up for a wide open Stanley Cup decade. Like it's it's insane. I think I think there's one reason that's obvious. The rest I I can't look I can't say how they nav- navigated the like the rest of this offseason to acquire an Alex to bring it through a trade and then, you know, and then get um uh, who who am I thinking of here? And somehow pull off that Matt Murray trade the way they did. Right. Like to come out on that the other side even in a positive setting, right? Like the rest of it though we already discussed that. That was for years and years and years. They picked in the top 10, and then they got to a point where, you know what? Picking seventh overall, that's all right. We're comfortable trading that pick to go ahead and get Alex to bring it now. Yep. Sure you are, because you picked in the top five. Because you're ready to go win. Right. Because you picked in the top five for three years. You've got superstar. Like He's the same age as all your guys who are already there and ready to go. Right. Exactly. Yep. Like that's, right. how you, that's how you do that stuff. So absolutely do I think that there's, you know, yeah, I think that, that stuff is but – but this is the thing, right? This is to, to tie it all back together, put a bow yeah. on it with all this stuff. This is what was too hard, right? This is the this is the it's too much hard work to move contracts. Columbus goes – by the way, with Columbus, we were having the discussion. We never even talked about what led to the Bjorkstrand trade, which was not Johnny Gaudreau. It's Patrick Laine. Yep. Which, like, hey, good for you. You've got Patrick Laine, and you found a way to make a deal. I mean, it wasn't, they're connected. It wasn't... They they knew when they signed Johnny Gaudreau that Bjorkstrand was probably on the way out if they wanted to keep Laine. So, I mean, they're uh, all kind of related. They, I don't they know knew they'd they, have to move somebody. Right. I don't think they knew it was Bjorkstrand yet because I think That's that fair. was a tough. I think that was a tough sell for them. I think because I think they really like Bjorkstrand. But I like, agree, especially after guys like Felino and Atkinson have left that right. town in recent years, like. Shedding off another Columbus original is, hmm, you know, you're turning into Vegas a little bit here. <laughs> I mean, that's that that's a whole other interesting roster discussion because, like, at this, I mean, like at this point, the guy who is the captain is the guy. I mean, you don't really get much more original at this point than Boone Jenner, right? No, like, no, fair enough. Like at this point, the next name that I see that I sit there and go, oh yeah, that guy's been around for a little while is probably Eric Robinson, Zach Wierenski. Well, uh, def- uh, forward wise, I meant, yeah, but oh, okay, fair enough. Right. But like, I was, if we're talking, if we're talking career long Blue Jackets, though, Wierenski's got to no, be near the top of that what, list. No, because guess what? If, if, on defense, if it's not, it's not only Wierenski, but the only other name I see that I know has been there for a little bit, Gavrikov. Okay, like that's it. And he just like, came up and then, and then the, recently. 
Right, but that's like he's been around for long enough. Yeah, like a couple years else, now for sure. Like, like everybody else is kind of a like they made some deals. They were like, like for God's sakes, one of the guys they have on defense that is a bigger name for them is Jay Bean. He just got there a year ago because he was part yep. of the Seth Jones thing. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, that and I was think he's going to be good there. Thing. Adam Bockwist is really good out of them. That was yeah, a good pickup from good, Chicago. Yeah, that's another yeah, one. Former like, that's former a- top fifteen pick. I don't know why he was available for free, but whatever. All right. I hear you. There was a lot. Anyway, of and then yeah, I think so, it's about time we get out of here. We have anything else to cross off the list here? Or are we okay to not, center it like or I, out? Like I said, it was like when it, it's when you realize like you're sitting here and we're talking. Like I even tweeted, and it was it turned out to be a pretty popular tweet. Not gonna lie, because I put out there Columbus signed Line A that like the same day. Then they traded Bjorkstrand, and I turned around, and I threw out there. Man, you know, so they t- they signed two big name free agents or not free agents, but they signed two big names, make two big signings for a lot of money, and then traded a contract to get some cap space back. Must have been a lot of hard work today from the Columbus front office, you know? Right. Like to do all that, like they might have had to make like four or five phone calls. It's crazy. Like, like wait, like that between that and the Kachuk Huberdo Uyghur trade and all of that stuff, like. It took what Chuck Fletcher said the week before our last show and after free agency and waving Guys, the white my flag. Guys, really hard. Guys, but, like, it took it took that and it threw it out the window. Like you can't like now you have no leg to stand on with that comment because other GMs went to work. You know, like right. yes, it, like and and here's the thing, like in Columbus, no excuses, Chuck. But but in Columbus's standpoint, it, is it hard work? Yeah, it is. You know why? Because it's a lot of negotiation to make it happen. For one, with the two players that you did keep, and then. It's a, so, then you're trading a guy you don't want to trade, but you're sitting here in your mind going, "We have to do this." And then guess what? You got a decent return and enough, like a good enough return for him. It's 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 worthy. You got two draft picks back. Yep. Like okay, you did what you had to do. It's unfortunate I, you would have liked to have kept the guy. I can't wait until Chuck Fletcher trades the second round pick to get rid of JVR. But the, I can't right. wait. But this whole thing, like, and and the whole thing with the Florida, like. Okay, Calgary lost Johnny Gaudreau and then was in the position where it's like, we're going to lose Matthew Kachuk as well. He doesn't want to sign here. We're, we're back to in, into a corner. There's nothing we knew. T- talk about that too, by the way. That, that takes two things for Chuck Fletcher and puts it against him because number one was a no-leverage situation kind of. The only leverage they had was exactly what they did, sign and trade. But you know what? I also want to give Matthew Kachuk credit because he didn't – there was no demand. There was no, I can only go here. I can only go there. You know, right. he, he did go to a place eventually where it was like, listen, let's work out a deal and then send Let's deal. make something happen. Right. He was in a spot where he didn't technically have leverage because he didn't technically have a no trade or anything like that. He Yes. The but he had leverage because the trade wasn't going to happen unless there was a contract in but there place, was also, let's be honest. There was, but there was also no reason that Calgary should have ended up with a guy like Huberdo. No, for out sure. Of, out of a deal like that. Other than the fact that, yes, he did sign the guy. When, yes, when you know... Like when you're Barry Zito and you know he has to trade the guy, yeah. like you know Matt, right. Brad Treliving has to trade him. When can I? Here's the thing: Can I be honest? That trade came across and it said Florida, and I was surprised. Me too. I, you know, like everything said St. Louis. Oh, I didn't think so at all. You know where really? I was going? I, I, I would have like I was becoming convinced. I didn't think Ottawa. It was happening. Yes, I was becoming convinced. Uh. That, that he was going to play with Brady. No, they're in the same division now. Yeah, I know. That's that's even better. I, mean, I can't wait until the first time Ottawa plays Florida Louis in the playoffs. Was, like, I actually didn't think Florida was really in the running. I kind of thought it was Ottawa or St. Louis. 
Uh, right. But I, I, I thought it was one or the other. It's either he's going back to where he grew up, which is, yes, like the same. He, he grew up in a, like, I get it. Like, sure. His father, his father, Keith, played in Phoenix and played in St. Louis. Like, I get it. But, sure. But he's either going back to a place where he's very familiar with, as in St. Louis, or he's going to play with Brady. It's right. one of the two. Like, Man. that's the way I felt. And he opted for like look, I can't blame him. He opted for sunny Florida with you know. Imagine, imagine playing against a power play unit mm-hmm. that has Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk, Claude Giroux, and Thomas, Thomas Shabbat. Shabbat, and then Alex DeBrinkett. And like, pick your fifth, right? Alex DeBrinkett probably. Hello, like, do you like? Hello. Here's the here's the worst part about what you just said. Okay. Yeah, Shabbat's the only. Like defenseman that they had, like he's the top defenseman, so he's a homegrown guy too. And, and, right. and Brady Kachuk, they would have drafted and molded, but you didn't even get to like your second unit becomes Josh Norris, um, Batherson, uh, Stutzla, yep, Formenton probably or something. Your, or, your you first know. overtime unit is Kachuk Kachuk Shabbat. Holy crap! Your second is Norris Giroux Stutzla. No, nah, because you have to put a defenseman out there, so it would be... You don't have to. <laughs> Fine. So Claude Stutzla, defenseman. Stutzla, Giroux. Uh, who's your defenseman on that? No, I think actually it was funnier the way you did it because yeah. Giroux, Giroux's your defenseman. Quite frankly, why not? <laughs> but I, I'm an advocate for more aggressive here. strategies in three-on-three over. I love that we're Either way, here on this note. we have completely gone off the rails here. This yep. is what you're expecting out of summer shows. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. Check us out over there. YWT Podcast. We'll pop right up. We've been doing great stuff over there. We really do appreciate your subscriptions. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SportstalkPhilly.com. We are all over the place. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Darso. Follow Sports Talk Philly at Sports Talk PHL. Follow the show at, at YWT Podcast. That's about it, Kevin. Anything else you got? Nope. Until next. All right. Time. I I can't wait to see the upgrades on the studio you've made for the next show. If oh, any, I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it's going to be as many as you think in the beginning. Well, I, just, I I can't wait for the end result. So uh, we'll maybe, see what we got maybe, next week. Uh, maybe you know what? Maybe like, and this is really setting the bar like down the road here. Maybe okay. by training. Maybe by training. Okay. Camp. I mean, I'm I'm so not there yet. I mean, for goodness sake, I still have it. Like, there's going to be a TV on the wall in here, so I can utilize nice. that while I work and stuff. The TV is sitting on the floor right now because okay. I don't even have like I'm not even in the position to start mounting stuff on the walls yet. So love it when I am. I've oh believe me, I've got a good reserve of things to put around me in here. Oh, I know. I'm exci- I'm excited to see what ends up making the uh, the production I mean, I, I, angle. Like, but here's the thing: as as you and everybody who will watch this on YouTube can see, not even the jersey that's typically behind me has made it yet. No, we'll get. We got to get something for the next show though. Even if it's I'll just the best. jersey, I will do my best. Here's here's the thing: there is there is like uh, I can't tell you the number of things I've built furniture wise in the last two weeks. Fair. So eventually, there is like I would like to have something behind me that gives me something more. You know, okay. Like, hey, I've got some shelves. I've got like a place to hang jerseys, so we can make this a little bit more expansive than what it some, is. Somewhere to put all the pucks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we will see what Kevin has in store for us next week. We'll be back in two, or I'm sorry, in two weeks. We will be back in two weeks to discuss whatever's <laughs> going on in Flyerland. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll see you.